Welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We welcome our church family and also our visiting friends. Thank you for coming to worship with us. To find out more about Greensburg Baptist Church, our upcoming events, and other church activities, visit our website anytime at greensburgbaptist.com. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. We are concluding the Lord Teach Us to Pray sermon series this morning. This is sermon number six of six. As with each of these sermons, our text is the same. Matthew 6, verses 5 through 13. And if you have your Bible with you this morning, I want to invite you right now. Go ahead and be turning there. And while you are doing that, I want to say once again, welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We are so glad that you are here. We want to extend a special welcome to our visitors this morning. And we want you to know if there is anything at all that Brother Blake and I can do for you while you're here, if you have a question about Greensburg Baptist Church, we would love to speak with you and answer your questions. Also want to say a special welcome to our people that are joining by radio and any form of technology. We are glad that you are part of our audience this morning. So again, Matthew 6, verses 5 through 13. I'm going to have this um, passage on the screen And I'd like for us, just as we've done in each of these sermons, I I want to invite you to stand if you are physically able to stand right now. And I would invite you to read this passage out loud with me. Jesus says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You may be seated. Now I want to remind you, as I have in each of these sermons, this entire sermon series was sparked by the book that is titled The Prayer That Turns the World Upside Down by Dr. Albert Moeller. I got a copy of this book back in April, and it was one of those I could not quite put down until I finished it. And it is what is the basis for this entire sermon series. So as we begin this morning, I've got to refresh just for a few minutes, because I'm not sure if you remember or not, but sermon number one happened at the end of June of this year. Now, we are at sermon number six now, and we are at the end of December. So I've got to take just a moment to get us all on the same page as we start. So before Jesus actually tells his disciples how to pray, he spends some time specifically telling them how he does not want them to pray. In verse five, he tells them, do not be like the hypocrites. These people were standing in public places praying for the purpose of being seen. He says, don't do that. And then we move to verse 7, and he says, Do not pray like the Gentiles. These people, the Gentiles, were praying for the purpose of being heard. Jesus is saying, Don't do either one of those things. But right in between those two verses, verse 6, he says, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. Now, as I have said in every one of these messages, please do not take this verse as some type of instruction from Jesus to not pray in public. If you are interpreting like that, you are interpreting it incorrectly. That is not what Jesus is saying here. What Jesus is saying in verse 6, though, he is emphasizing the vast importance of being secluded when we pray. Remember, Jesus always knew who he was talking to. He knew what their temptations were. Possibly he knew that the disciples might see the hypocrites or they might see the Gentiles. And they might be tempted to pray like one of those two groups of people. He knew if they were in a room with the door shut, 
The only person that's going to hear them is him, the only person that truly matters. And I do want to address something, though. Verse 5, he uses the H word, the hypocrite word. That seems to tear people all to pieces when we talk about church. Jesus wasn't afraid to use that word, folks. He wasn't. As I explained last time, so many times when we hear somebody give the excuse, and yes, it is an excuse. I don't want to go to church because there might be hypocrites there. Or I don't want to go to church because there are hypocrites there. Folks, it's just an excuse. Where else do we not go because we think there are hypocrites there? Do we not go to a ball game because we think there might be hypocrites at a ball game? Guess what? There are Hypocrites at a ball game, any ball game, pick it. There will be hypocrites there. Pick any church. Yes, there will be hypocrites there. But we should not be an excuse to people not to come to church. One of my good friends who is a pastor said one time, if he ever built a church, that right behind him, floor to ceiling, would be a mirror. The entire width of the stage. So everyone in the congregation could see exactly what he saw every Sunday. Folks, I'm going to tell you, many of you would be surprised if we had one of those mirrors here. Many of you would be stunned if we had one of those mirrors here. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be the reason that somebody stays out of church. In the second sermon, we saw that Jesus does, in fact, begin to tell his disciples how to pray. We concentrated on verse 9 where we say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We talked about all of the reasons, or many of the reasons, that our Father is holy. We talked about the reasons... What what are we saying when we say our Father? And just in the essence of saving time this morning, I'm going to point you to the 2000 version of the Baptist Faith and Message. That does a great job of describing what we mean when we say our Father. When we say, hallowed be your name, we're saying He's holy. And just as He's holy, we should strive to be holy. The third sermon focused on this one verse, verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then right at the very beginning of that, we said we've got to ask two questions and answer two questions before we can even proceed. First of all, what is the kingdom of God? And just quickly, I shared this uh, definition with you. God's people and God's place under God's rule and blessing. And then what does it mean to pray for God's kingdom to arrive? You know, that is what we're praying when we pray your kingdom come. We are praying for His kingdom to arrive. And I just want to share with you this quote from Dr. Moeller. The Bible teaches that God's kingdom only comes as God's people preach God's word, which coupled with God's spirit produces life and obedience. So keep praying, people. Don't stop. Do not stop praying. The fourth sermon focused on verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. That was the particular sermon that I had on the chef's apron. And I had a loaf of bread up on the stage with me. And we talked about various things. But one of the main things that we talked about in that particular sermon is that we begin to see that we are needy. We are needy people. That is something that we really don't like to admit very much. But guess what? It's true. We are needed. And guess who the provider is? God. We talked about the fact that God has designed humans to be dependent 
on Him, not independent of Him. He has designed us to be dependent on Him. We talked about Matthew 6.26 and the fact that He cares for the birds of the air. He cares for the fish of the sea. So yes, He does care for you. No matter where you've gone, no matter where you've been, He loves you. He loves you. And then we talked about we've got to get to the place where our activities are not divided between the things we do for Christ and all the other things. We've got to get to the point where every one of our activities that we participate in is lived for the glory of Christ. Period. Period. And then finally, at the end of that week, we looked at John 6.35 where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So what we are really praying when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we're saying, give me Jesus. Jesus, I need you. It's Jesus, only Jesus. That's what we're praying when we pray, give us this day our daily bread. Sermon number five, the last one before this one, was verse 12. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We talked about two different types of sins. Sins of omission. That is doing something that God's Word... Excuse me. It's not doing something that God's Word tells us to do. Sins of omission is not doing something that God's Word tells us to do. And then a sin of commission is a sin that you actively commit. What I want you to know this morning is both of them are wrong. Both of them are wrong. When we are asking for our debts to be forgiven, we're asking that they go away. We're asking that they go completely away. Now, most of the time, if we had our preferences, we want our debts to go away. But we don't want anybody else's to. We want Jesus to forgive us our debts, but we are not willing to forgive that person who's hurt us. We are not willing to forgive that person that has talked about us behind our backs. We are not willing to do that, yet we want Jesus to forgive us. Let me tell you something. Whether or not that person ever asked for your forgiveness, you've got to do it anyway. You have got to do it anyway. Folks, we owed a debt that we could not repay. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I wonder this morning, have you accepted that free gift? Just because it's free, it doesn't mean that everybody gets it. You have got to accept that free gift. And I wonder, have you done that this morning? Are you certain that you've done it this morning? We need Jesus. It is Jesus, only Jesus. And then finally, we talked about the most important word or concept in this particular verse is forgive and forgiveness. I think we've lost connection with the screen. Um, Anyway, the most important concept or word in this verse is forgive and forgiveness. I wonder this morning, who do you need to forgive? Possibly who needs to forgive you? And then as we get ready to move to our verse for today, the final verse, 
I just want to set it up like this, just like we, that we closed the last time. This prayer establishes that we are sinners in need of forgiveness. Our problem is not a lack of education. It's not. Our problem is not a lack of opportunity. It's not an inability to express ourselves. It's not unmet social needs. Our problem is sin. Our problem is sin. And if we think it's anything else, we are deceiving ourselves. Our problem is sin and we need God's forgiveness. So that brings us to today, sermon number 6. And we're going to look at verse 13 where the text tells us, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now just to set this up this morning, I want to talk to you about an illusion that many people live their lives under today. And that is the illusion of a world without Satan. Now I think there's basically two schools of thought on this. There are people that believe Satan causes everything that doesn't go their way. And I'll just give you an example. Suppose you're here this morning and you have an upset stomach. Now, again, I'm just giving an example. Suppose you are here this morning and you have an upset stomach. Perhaps you're thinking, the devil caused me to have an upset stomach. Well, that may or may not be the case. Perhaps the reason your stomach's upset this morning is because you made a bad decision last night about what you ate. And that's the reason that your stomach is upset. Our, our actions have consequences, folks. Whether we're talking about eating, whether we're talking about talking, no matter what we are talking about, our actions have consequences. And if you're here this morning and your stomach's upset, perhaps the devil did it to you, but perhaps it's a result of your bad decision last night. And then the other camp are the people that pretend that Satan isn't real. That they don't think about Satan at all. And honestly, folks, that's where I fear, that's where I fear we are as Christians a lot of times. We live in an area where there is plenty. Where we really lack for almost nothing where it's easy to think that we are our provider. It's easy to think that we don't really need Jesus. Oh yeah, I want him on the shelf for when I need him, almost like a genie in a bottle, but I really don't want to think about him that much. And we don't want to think about Satan at all. We don't want to think about Satan at all. And if that's you this morning, you're in a dangerous spot. You are in a dangerous spot. Because you see, we like to pretend that the world's a safe place. Guess what? It's not. We are not in a safe place in this world. Folks, spiritual warfare is real. We've got to realize that Satan is real. We've got to realize that he is our enemy. First Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Guess what? He wants to devour you. He wants to devour you. And if you live your life as if he's not real, he's already won half the battle. 
at least half the battle. Realize that Satan is alive and well. Realize that he is your enemy. Realize that spiritual warfare is indeed real. Have you ever wondered, why does Jesus remind us to pray regularly against temptation? Why does he do that? It's because sin does not want to play a minor role in your life. It doesn't. Instead, it wants to rule over you. Folks, sin wants to rule completely over you. We have got to realize that this morning. This is not something that's just started. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden in the book of Genesis. Here's some important points that I want you to remember from Matthew 6.13. We've got to realize that temptations are a real threat. They're a daily threat to communion with God and to life with Christ. Now, the most dangerous thing, listen to me now, the most dangerous thing that a Christian can ever do is to somehow believe that they are immune to temptation. The most dangerous thing that a Christian can ever do is to somehow believe that they are immune to temptation. You might be thinking something like, what difference does it make if I send an inappropriate text message? I'm stronger than that. What difference does it make if I go meet alone with that member of the opposite sex? I'm stronger than that. No, you're not. No, you are not. Be on guard against temptation. Do you realize that Satan knows every one of your temptations? So where do you, what areas do you think he's going to tempt you in? Something that you're strong in or an area you're weak in? He's going to tempt you in your areas of temptation. Be on guard. We cannot resist temptation in our own power. Your willpower is not nearly as strong as you think it is. It's not. So many times when people are caught in a sin, they justify it somehow by, I can stop it anytime I want to. No, you can't. If you can, just go ahead and stop it right now. If you are really that strong, go ahead and stop your sin right this second. You're not as strong as you think you are. You have got to realize that Jesus is the deliverer. Jesus is the deliverer. And if you are truly a child of God this morning, guess what? You are the delivered. You are the delivered. Here's something that I want to talk about this morning. How many times have you heard somebody say, the Bible says that God helps those who help themselves? Anybody ever heard that before? Surely, I'm not the only one. Guess what? The Bible does not say that. The Bible does not say that God helps those who helps themselves. Instead, the Bible teaches that God helps those, us, who are at the end of themselves. I wonder this morning, are you at the end of yourself? Have you got to that point where you're willing to truly surrender all and let Jesus take full control and to become your help? 
And we have got to pray for endurance in this fight against temptation. Jesus gives us the model prayer, which means that these are the types of petitions that we're supposed to pray for every day on an ongoing basis. We should also pray every day for the grace to overcome temptation. I wonder this morning, are you doing that? Now, you might be wondering this morning, so does God lead people into temptation? Does God lead people into temptation? Now, if you're wondering that, I'm going to tell you that's a very valid question for you to be thinking. But I'm going to answer the question for you really boldly. The answer is no. God will never lead you or anyone else into temptation. James 1.13 says, Let no one say when he's tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself tempts no one. So God's not going to lead you into temptation. So when Jesus prays this phrase, lead us not into temptation, he is not asking God to, to act in a way that's a, in, con, that is contrary to his nature. That is not what he's doing. Instead, he's asking him to ask, he is asking him to act in a way that's entirely consistent with his holiness. Jesus is asking God to lead him away from evil and the way, away from the lust of his own flesh. And folks, we've got to do the same thing. We have got to do the exact same thing. We can't just do it once. We need to be doing this daily as we pray. Now, I want to address one thing as we sort of move towards closing this morning. Although God will not actually tempt us, he may test us at times. And there is a distinct difference between those two things. James 1 verses 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let your steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So what's the difference between a test and a temptation? Well, a test is a trying circumstance or a difficult situation that's orchestrated in our lives by God. But a temptation, on the other hand, is an invitation to sin, an encouragement to engage in something that is contrary to God's law. Jesus is not going to send you there. Jesus will not lead you into temptation. You can rest assured that that's the enemy that's doing that. But folks, I want you to realize the question is not if we are going to experience temptation. The question is when. When's it going to start? When will those temptations start? And then what are we going to do? What are we going to do when they come? Because we know that they are coming. This prayer teaches us that apart from God, we are not able to resist temptation in our own power. We've got to be willing to realize and to admit that we are weak and that we need Jesus, but he's strong. We've got to pray for endurance in the fight against temptation. We've got to realize that if Jesus is teaching us to pray to be delivered from temptation in the exact same way that he is telling us to pray for our daily bread, guess what? It's going to be a lifelong struggle for me 
for you and for everyone else that truly follows Jesus. It is a lifelong struggle. But Jesus is the answer. And again, we've all got weaknesses. Satan knows every one of your weaknesses. You need to know them too. Again, we are not nearly as strong as we believe we are. I wonder this morning, have you ever heard this phrase? The devil made me do it. You ever heard that? The devil made me do it. And I guess I just want to ask you this morning, did he really? Did the devil really make you do it? I don't think he can make you do it. I think he can entice you to do it. I think he can entice you to step into sin. But I think that decision to step out into that area of sin, that's our choice. It is our choice. I want to share this quote with you. My friend Brenda Loy shared this with me several years ago. And it was great wisdom as she shared it with me. It's something I have never, ever forgot. Be careful, church, what you entertain. Be careful what you entertain. Be careful about that inappropriate text message that you're considering sending. Be careful about that meeting that you know you shouldn't be at, that you're considering going to. Be careful of what you entertain. Because sin fascinates before it assassinates. And if you think that can't happen to you, the enemy is deceiving you. The enemy can wreck your life quicker than you can imagine what's happened. Be careful what you entertain. Sin is a bad thing. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. How many times have you heard this verse quoted as if the last part was all of it? The B part of the verse. Most of the time when people quote this verse, it's quoted as resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now that's true. But in order for that to work, you've got to do the whole thing. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. And honestly, that's the thing that most people don't want to do. They want the devil to go away so they can live a life of peace, but they don't want to submit themselves to God. We've got to do it all. We have got to live this entire verse if we want the devil to flee. Now, as we prepare to close this morning, several years ago, I found these closing sentences, and I did not write down where I got them from. These are not original thoughts to me, although I support every one of them. And I think it sort of puts the Lord's Prayer in a nutshell. I cannot say our if I live only for myself. You know, our Father, give us this day our daily bread. Any time in that prayer that the word our is used, I cannot say our if I live only for myself. I cannot say, Father, if I don't endeavor each day to act like His child. In everything I do, at work, at home, at the grocery store, at the gas station, I cannot say, Father, if I do not endeavor each day to act like His child. 
I cannot say hallowed be your name. Remember, we talked about hallowed means holy. I can't say hallowed be your name if I'm playing around with sin. Can't do it. I cannot do it. I cannot say your kingdom come if I'm not allowing God to reign in my life. I wonder this morning, are you, are you personally allowing God to reign in your life? It's a yes or no answer, and you know what the true answer is. I cannot say your will be done if I want my way all the time. Can't. I can't pray your will be done if I've got to have my way all the time. I cannot say, give us this day our daily bread. If I'm trusting in myself instead of in God's provision, I can't do it. I cannot say, forgive us our debts. If I'm holding a grudge or withholding forgiveness from somebody else, I can't do it. And I cannot say, lead us not into temptation if I'm deliberately placing myself in its path. A few weeks ago, Brother Corey and I were talking and he, we were looking towards the, this day, although we didn't know exactly when it was. And he said, I really believe that when you conclude the sermon series... One of us should sing the Lord's Prayer. If you want to sing it, I'll play for you. And I was going to play for it if, if he sang. And the Lord had already started speaking um, to me about that. And so I'm going to attempt to sing that this morning just as we conclude this sermon series. And what I, what I would really love for you to do right now is to just bow your heads and just listen as the words of this song speak. Every word of this song is it's straight from scripture but soak it in soak it in and see if this prayer is true in your life Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we move into our invitation this morning. The invitation this morning is an open invitation. I believe there's people here this morning that are struggling with areas of sin in their lives. I believe there's people here this morning who have never made that decision to ask Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. If that's you this morning, it's today. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. Do not leave this place if you are not sure that Jesus is your Savior. I believe there's some people here today that need to make the decision that from this point forward, I'm going to live my life for Jesus. So many times on tomorrow night, December 31st, people make a New Year's resolution. I can promise you that there would be no better New Year's resolution for you to make than to proclaim, I will follow Jesus. I will follow Jesus. No matter who else does, I will follow Jesus. I believe there's some of you this morning that need to make that proclamation as the new year starts. I will follow Jesus. Perhaps there's some of you this morning that are interested in church membership. Let me or Brother Blake know about that. We would be happy to meet with you and talk about the vision of the church. We would love to have you here. We would love to have you as an official member of this church. This morning, whatever the need is, I pray that you will come. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you that your word is true. Father, I thank you for the fact that you are sufficient. You are sufficient for each and every need that we have. Father, I pray that we will see salvation in this place this morning. I pray that we will see surrender in this place this morning. I pray that we will see people forgiving each other in this place this morning. But most of all, I pray that we will see that our eyes as a church, the eyes of Greensburg Baptist Church, I pray that we will see that they are fixed on you and on the cross. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. 
Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.